0: Hey, y'all. Hey, welcome to the Purpose University podcast, your source of inspiration as you seek to overcome adversity, create your best life and be your most authentic self. I am Dr. Eve. I'm your host. And I'm excited that you decided to join me on today because your time is valuable. And I recognize you could be anywhere else, but you're here. So thank you. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm really happy to have you here. And I certainly hope that you come back for more. So uh, real talk. If you're feeling what you're hearing, help the show grow. Leave a review and tell everyone you know. Now, without further ado, let's get into it. It's another Thursday, your new favorite day of the week. I'm here today with my new fun friend, Elise Smith. I'm not even gonna tell y'all her story because she is like badass and I know she can tell you everything much better than I can. So Elise, tell us about yourself. Who are you and what is it that you do?
1: Thank you Dr. E for having me here. As she mentioned, my name is Elise Smith. I hail from Detroit, Michigan. I currently live in Bloomington, Indiana. I recently graduated from Indiana, May 4th, 2018, so it was a long time coming, but here I am now, and in the fall, I will pursue my PhD in ethnomusicology and urban education. A little bit about myself, prior to coming to Bloomington, Indiana, I worked in a local high school, Belleville High School, where there were 1,800 students, 407 identified as seniors, and 60% of that number had low-income first-generation students who were anything from dealing with pregnancy scares all the way to trying to figure out even if they were going to make it past their first semester and then how to even trust and believe in this new black body that was set at the end of the hallway who seemed to be hip and young and cool but still relatable and knowing that at the end of the day I didn't play any games. So coming into that space, let me pursue my higher ed degree at Indiana University with the intent of saying, how can I understand and relate to this? who have been through what I've been through, who understand that life isn't easy and that you're going to make these transformations and changes that nobody necessarily gives you a roadmap and a lifeline. You know, sometimes you just have to figure it out from, you know, going to college and thinking you're just going to come up on a refund check hustle, or you're going to go to a dope party to the days where you open up the freezer and all you hear is the blowing and a couple ice cubes that look little- like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so in that space, I have found a way to not only find my voice, but not to be afraid of my voice, to share my story and connect with people, whether we have every single thing in common, which I feel like me and Dr. Eve is like on the same wavelength. I think we are related. We just don't know it yet.
0: To people, <laughs> We are
1: <laughs> <laughs> definitely related um, to people who honestly feel like the only thing that we have in common is the fact that you're another black body and to most people they like that's enough and it's like no you don't know what that means because you cannot associate every black body the same so with that long drawn windy answer i hope that gives you a little bit about me
0: It does, it sure does. And as I know, it's all good. We here to talk. So I'd like to know because you're a first generation college graduate. Big ups to you. Out here doing big things. You started this platform, Fatness Fiction. Tell us about Fatness Fiction. And what you're doing with that, because this is a pretty bold of you to say, I'm I'm not only first gen, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to grad school, now I'm going for a doctorate, and I'm also going to do something different, and that's celebrating the plus size of who I am. I like that. That's dope. Thank you. It all
1: started four scores. No, I'm looking. That is Fiction, just to kind of give an overburning look at it, is a brand that, It's kind of like a play on words. So I like to say that I am not a trained poet by any means. I'm just a young black woman who likes to play with words and tell my story via that. So spoken word was a space for me where I was talking about different things. And you know how you hear rap and you hear all of that, like, yeah, she got a coke shape and she do this. And I like to freestyle. Freestyle is my thing. I said to myself before the end of my PhD program, I'm going to drop an EP. And I'm all my life. And my best friend, she used to be like, like, man, you said, when you gonna drop that mixtape? When you gonna drop this mixtape? And it blows my mind, which connects me to especially male dominated communities is because they see this girl, they see this fat body. And you know, I'm bobbing my head. And you know, if I know some Jay-Z, like some old school Jay-Z, they mind to be blowing. And I credit that to my two older brothers. And they'll say, you know, what you know about that? What you know about that? And I'd be like, man, y'all gonna make me jump on it. You know, they like, ah, you ain't gonna do it. You ain't gonna do it. But when I open my mouth and I actually flow, you see those scalps slowly raise. <laughs> Because they didn't expect for me to come and snatch edges, but that's what I come to do. Because I think it's so great for me to start loving myself first. Because I've situated myself in so many spaces and communities where I let the quote unquote negative identities of me, one Mm. being a being fat and black, show up in these spaces. But then I take over the entire conversation just like a beast. I take it over I, and I do it with a smile and I walk out like nothing ever happened. And then I just see all this smoke and slit on my shoulders from where I just dominated everything. So what fatness fiction did for me was take the idea of not fat. Cause I could have called it fat fiction. I could have called it fat Nonfiction, but I called it fatness because how do you identify fat? Like you being a size twelve if somebody being a size 24, 26, 28, it's still in the realms of fatness. And and because of that, I let you self identify what that looks like. I look mm-hmm. at those identities that come from spaces where they have told us, no, you can't be this size. No, you can't do this. You're still considered fat. And in an earlier conversation, Dr. E and I was talking about Beyonce used to be considered plus size at one time. Yeah. Beyonce, you know, and I'm talking about people who are diehard Beyonce fans, especially in a black and brown communities. we looking like, no, she's not. Like her stomach's flat, she's toned. But in whitewash America She would have been considered that So for me I said fiction is the opposite of the truth But mm. who is person is defined truth I've always been the person I used to tell my sister growing up I said the only word that should be in the dictionary is should be defined because I should only be able to tell you what it means to define a word because I can look at a situation totally different from you and how you define it is totally different from my experiences so the fiction part came in is because so many people have ideologies about bigger bodies oh they lazy they uneducated they don't smell good they're not attractive it comes with all of this so I want you to see fatness fiction my entire brand dispels the name I actually intentionally go against the name by showing you people who are educated, showing you people who are beautiful, who are smart, who are doing all of these great things that actually go against the whole idea of what you think is fat, what you think Mm. is that. If you want to look at it in a lyrical context, I am the destroyer of my own brand. While being like a phoenix, as I burn it down, I'm actually bringing forth this ashes and these new births of how you identify fatness. And I think people don't see that yet. And I'm kind of okay with that because I want them to think like, oh, fatness fiction. But have you ever really thought about the name? Have you ever really unpacked what fiction means and why I'm using it the way I did? So I was in my graduate course, I was in my first year last semester, uh, January, and our teacher asked what are you doing
0: over the break like what have you been doing
1: and went around the room when it came to me I said I wrote a book about being fat Uh (laughs) the whole class turned around and looked and was like what and I was like yeah so they was like can you tell me more and it's like I've always been that person to only give you enough to see if you really gonna bite because there's no point in me pouring my entire story if you don't care I'm, I'm not gonna share my story so I'm gonna give you enough that grabs your attention and be like oh tell me more I want to know more so I told them about this like when we look at you know student development theory we talk about you know visible disability and disability but I said weight shouldn't be we one of those things if it's not physically a disability for you so I talked about the fear of coming in the classroom and you sitting in a small chair or the fear mm. of you there with a small Smaller body, and as you go up these stairs, if both of y'all get in the classroom, the skinny person or the smaller person being out of breath is no question. But I have passed my book to me because you might be So, Fatness Fiction became a space where I wanted to tell my story but quickly i suppress my story I, I i reserved it for the time that it needs to be told because as of right now i don't believe god want me to continue to be like me 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 but more of creating a story and platform where these other people are saying literally the same thing and at first mm-hmm. i got it, like people are saying the same thing but that should be a constant reminder that the reason why we're saying the same thing is because y'all are not listening to us And this is why we have to do it. So the birth of fatness fiction came out of that. With that came the plus size magic radio, where I took the time to just be able to create this platform where bigger bodies can come and tell their story and how weight affects them. And for those who don't think about it to actually start thinking about it and realize stuff that they don't even recognize as microaggressions that really create stress for them. They can start being upfront with people and say, so why do you think that? And start checking people to say, whatever you say to me, you shouldn't have the ability to say it because it makes you comfortable. So why should I have to live under? uncomfortable because you get to say something to make me comfortable so fatness fiction is about dispelling all of those myths challenging those ideas and saying if you really truly care about me why does it come in the form of discrimination and because of that you need to shut up and check your own privilege within even having size that is not discriminated
0: mm, love that so as you were talking I, I had this thought come to mind what would you say are the similarities in being fat and first generation. Because oh, I'm, you know, like, I'm making think about it. it's just as you're talking. I'm like, yo, yeah, I mean, because we talk about what people believe, right? In this fiction, pe- what people make up, but also how you teach people about your story. Because even in being first generation college graduates, it's significant. And just like you're saying, sometimes people don't think that it means anything, or that it's not supposed to mean much. Like, oh, there's no problem with you being first gen. I'm a first generation graduate. I came from a SES background, which means I have the capacity to be. So much different than what I've ever been in my life, and more than what maybe my parents have ever been. However, where I come from may still hinder what that is. But your perception of me being from that place also may have a, an impact on how you perceive me because I'm first generation. I'm black. I'm from a Louisiana household, and then as we talked about before, I'm, I'm fat. So, what similarities? I mean, again, like can you see or how, can you identify even in this moment?
1: I would say some of the similarities between being a bigger body or identifying as fat and low income first generation is one thing I want to say is first generation and fatness is definitely an identity that can intersect for those people who hold And I Ooh. think especially for, um, you know, Kimberly Crenshaw's intersectionality, 1989 like I, me and her need to be best friends but she ain't, ain't picking up the <laughs> phone. I think for that, just point that out is you already have a space that you're entering that nobody else had to enter and that may be that education piece so I'm coming into this institution to mm. learn better myself for whatever reason and for me it was to escape generational poverty mm. family at I- family, birth after birth, we always got caught in this cycle of somebody go work at a plant. Somebody go work, you know, as a janitor. Somebody come do this. And it was the cycle of you work every week to get a paycheck, to put gas in your car, to get back to work, to take one vacation every couple years, to fight during Christmas, to be unhappy. And the list goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Were there good moments? Yeah, you know, you come together, you have your little hood party, somebody barbecue on the side of the house, and the whole hood come together, pop some fireworks, and celebrate. But at the end of the day, when that was over and the colds got cold and everybody went in the house, you were still dealing with the real identities that you had. So mm. separate those two, especially for those who may not have the identity with fat. The reason why I think fatness from the context that I'm talking about it in first generation is you enter a lot of spaces where sometimes you may be the only one. And if you are the only one, people rely on you to tell the experiences of everybody. So if I'm the only fat person, you're going to have these identities and thoughts about me and you won't meet tell you whether they're true or not so you can put them in your research. Same thing is for first generation. I think the other thing is when it becomes two or maybe three, it's unsaid competition. And the reason why it's unsaid competition is because now these institutions sometimes want to provide scholarships or, you know, this pity against oh you're first generation let me hold your hand let me put you in this program and it's like a part of you if you a finesser you're gonna be like well okay if you're gonna treat me like this give me the resources i need thank you but what i'm gonna do is take everything y'all got and change my community and- uh my experience as first generation. When I went to I graduated from Eastern Michigan University, which is right down the street from the University of Michigan in Arbor. Michigan is a number one public institution within the Big Ten. I worked there two years and even after graduating with my health administration degree and working in healthcare IT as an undergrad at Michigan, I never applied for one job once I left. To this hmm. day, later, I never applied to work in Michigan because one my racial identity was attacked very, very frequently in a microaggressive ways. And my identity as a woman was attacked very frequently in microaggressive ways. So Michigan wasn't a place for me. It was not a fit for me. And I know people who graduated from Indiana who like, oh, they work in Michigan or, you know, they want to pursue their PhDs in Michigan. And I'm just like, y'all can keep that, go with any other color, but that y'all can have it because it wasn't for me. I've met some great people from there. So as even as a first generation person in that space, you know, I went from, eastern michigan down the street the little ugly cousin and um, <laughs> that's how they treat me so. it was like the little ugly cousin but we were built first just in case anybody wants to know. um I told them. <laughs> tell them tell them we were the original before y'all showed up so when i went to michigan and i worked there and i did that space I was frequently chasing the prestige of universities. I have always been that person. I always have been a lover of college. I love the college regalia. I love the, mm-hmm. the gear. I, I just, it's something about college that I wanted to, I had a conversation with a best friend of mine. I said, if I have a baby, my baby shower is going to be college theme. And y'all know that you already know, like the little the baby's going to be in the hat. Like everybody's going to have little look like you're graduating into life. Like it's going to be something mega, but it's going to be that. And mm. the reason why that is because I felt like if, if I could have have that institutional pride as a first generation student that nobody else in my family did I could take us somewhere we could be great we could be the people we need to so when I look at those two identities the three things that come to mind is both identities are silence when it becomes you know this this topic of conversation that's kind of tabooish but it's like oh it excites so much energy how can we get a hype off of it and the third thing is The identity of fat and uh, first generation is you have to deal with it alone. No matter, Mm. you have to deal with it alone. And when you become, and I'll say a fourth thing: when you become vocal about it and you become vocal about it in a passionate way, it can be read as angry. And somebody always wants to say, "Well, you could have just fixed it by doing X, Y, or Z." And it's like it's Mm -hmm. not that easy. That's not a choice.
0: You're trying to make me come through this phone. <laughs> come on. <laughs> you try, uh, you're trying to make me because, like, for I never, and as much as I love this work, I, I just, that concept is that I ain't asked for this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and it's not as easy as you think it is. It's like this first gen life. The reason it's so important to me is coming out of school and having to learn how to face the world alone and having to figure out how to navigate these jobs and then coming from this, this lower CS background where my mama told me to speak my mind and then having to figure out how to be professional. You know, when my mama just was real straightforward with me growing up. And so I know to be straightforward, I don't know how to package it and butter it up to make it really sweet to deliver it to you and to have to, to navigate all of these parts of who I am. I love track music, but then I can write a paper real nice. It, it, and it is it's so complicated because like you said nobody understands it but you and then to try to explain it well you know pick yourself up by your bootstraps keep it moving but you grown we ain't gonna mentor you because you grown you don't need nobody listen (laughs) i love a mentor i love a mentor I love having mentors, but something I experienced in grad school, and that's my, actually my first time talking about it, was feeling like I lacked the mentorship I needed in the space I was in, because I was grown, because I was out of state, and I was also dealing with this first-gen stuff that I didn't even realize until after the fact, that I was just really trying to figure it out, and nobody understood what I was going through, because people around me were just, oh, we all just making it, and when you get to grad school, sometimes the, the concept, I'm here to go to school, and I'm going back to work, and so building a community can even be something that is challenging, but... You yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you put me in my feelings today. And I don't ever really talk that way. So I'm feeling so way But it's, it's cool. As
1: long as your feelings make you be authentic. And I appreciate it. Something you said about grad school. I think it's kind of messed up. What happens is low come, low
0: come. First generation. I like that. Low-come. We're going to change it up. Low-come. No, keep it. Low-come. <laughs> Low-come students. What they fail to realize is
1: once you're that student, you're always going to be that student. You may not be that person forever. You may not be, you know, but in certain spaces, that characteristic shows up because if I'm low-income first generation as a high school student, as a college student, I'm going to be that way as a grad student. I'm going to be that way from, to a PhD. I'm going to remain that student because nobody before me did it. And that's why mentors are important. And it depends on your mentor as well. You have to be careful that you don't let somebody call themselves a mentor. Like, I was in grad school last year, and a young woman came up to me, and I guess she took my fatness and my uh, politeness as uh, being scary. And she was like, I'm a to mentor you. And I said, how are you going to oh. mentor And I'm older than you. She's like, you older than me? I said, yes, sweetheart, I am older than you. And then I had to check myself, and I had to check my age privilege. And I had to say, it doesn't necessarily take somebody older than you to teach you something. That's true. And I was like, okay, watch yourself. Like, don't don't jump off the deep end. But then I thought about how you approached me. You didn't want to take me in because you really thought you could change something. Mentorship can kind of sometimes go left, it's because now it's this controlling partnership of I tell you what to do, you get it done. This is not about me becoming a men to you. This is about you truly saying I see the potential in this person. I'm going to pull it out. It's going to take some prodding. It. it may take some force. It may come at ease, but I want them to be the best. Them they can be. And being a first generation student, I don't know what that best mean is yet because my family hasn't told me or went through those hurdles and jumps for me. So being a grad student and being in that space for the first time, not being able to call back home, not being able to say, hey, what does this mean when my teacher say, your thesis is not looking together? When I'm challenging myself and as an undergrad student what I ended up doing is I pursued double honors because I had not heard about honors at all. My sister went on a campus tour of the institution i was at and the day that i took on a campus tour they went past the honors college so i was like why haven't i never been told about this but i was also a transfer student from a community college so Hmm. i had that college route first and i graduated high school with a 1.8 gpa i graduated college with a 3.6 and 14 academic scholarships you can't tell me that i don't know how to turn something around by myself with the right help because the the day, I think I to help all day But if I decide not to Turn the car on and drive They can tell me like All oh, you gotta do is this But you have to be willing To do it So for me When I found out about That honors college That Monday We got in the car I said, I'm going to Honors college Monday She was like for what I said because they didn't Tell me about it When I transfer here And transfer students Don't get a lot of love And that's a whole Another conversation But I went to the Honors college And I told them I said I want to Pursue honors I said I have a major In health administration Minor in marketing So she was like Well you can only pick one I said why She's like because <clears> You don't <throat> have." I said, no, I'm gonna make the time. So I graduated with dual honors, cum laude. I, I wanted Magnum. I want Not Magnum. happen happened <laughs> <laughs> Happened by one, 0.5, 0.5, but it was okay. So for me, I was in that space and I went to them and I told my mentor, I said, you know, my love for music, my passion for music or whatever. She was like, so incorporated. So I created a bedside music program that took implications for music therapy as a pilot piloted at a hospital that was in the area. And I got my dual honors and the woman who told me, no, I couldn't do it. She was like, well, you know, you were talking about grad school, but you don't know what you want to do. I want you to take some time. Shout out to her because I already got my master's and accepted. An into
0: <laughs> <laughs> So look, you know, you are so silly to me. I love it. Like, I love your energy. I really do. So I'm really curious to know something. Consider where you are now. What would you say has been the thing that's gotten you to
1: where you are? for those who don't believe find something to believe in even if it's a highlighter on your table if you believe that's your power put your heart and soul into it and the reason why i say god and definitely support from um, my second oldest brother donovan what really got me through was it was days and y'all thought i was joking earlier when i said you open your freezer you see smoke it was like a week and i ate frozen corn every single meal of the day and i ain't realized mm. ooh that long and I'm scared to tell that. St- I used to be scared to tell that story because I'm be like, they looking at my body size and like, you ain't eat no porn. And I'm looking like, first of all, don't get jumped on in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so there was many days I didn't have gas in my car. I remember one time it was freezing cold. Me and my sister driving down the street, and the whole time I'm driving down the street, I'm praying. I'm like, God, don't let the car shut off because we haven't driving on E for three days. But I couldn't call home and ask for twenty dollars. That was that was something they didn't have. I knew once they picked up the phone and heard my request, it was gonna be, you don't have it. That was just gonna be hard. So me and my sister, middle of the night, I in. I was at this time I was I had two part time jobs, an internship. I was the president, vice president, secretary and production manager at the same time for multiple organizations mm. on my senior thesis. So I've always been a person that kept so much on my plate. And I was we got off of campus late. And we was driving down the street, and I felt the car shake. And I was like, "Lord, please just cut off when we get to the apartment. Like, at least I could had a car there." And right as I turned the corner, the car shut off. So I hurried up and let the little momentum I had pull up in this parking lot. And we we didn't say nothing to each other. We just sat there quiet. And roadside assistance, they came and they put just enough gas. He was like, yeah, go to the gas station. I'm thinking in my mind, like, if I had it, I wouldn't be sitting. But Mm. drove home, and in that moment, you know, we always tried to even eat healthy and buy some salad and something like that. But by day three, all you got is, like, a couple pieces of shriveled lettuce and some croutons left. Ain't no more chicken. Ain't no more dressing. So you like, so what's the point when I could have went to McDonald's every single day this week for $2 and ate? But no, hmm. to affordable, healthy lifestyle lie. So it was God in so many times. It was days where in the summer couldn't afford an electricity, building and the, and the lights was cut off. And the rest of my college friends living they broke lifestyles. And I'm just like, am I mismanaging my money? Am I not doing something right? Like, what? Why am I always struggling? And me and my sister made fun of it because one time we worked at Michigan, got a fifteen hundred dollar check a piece after we paid bills because we was already late on rent anyway. We had twenty five dollars left, so we went and bought a pizza, got a Set there in our misery laughed about it went our womb, and slept to the next day because it was mm. nothing so i really attribute a lot of that to god and just being faithful and saying you know if there's a will it's a way you ain't died yet so keep pushing
0: mm. who anybody tell you to come on here and be heavy today but that is a testimony i mean really though because you don't think about how often this has happened to students all the time and then to even think about how it is in adulthood because again just because we become educated doesn't mean that the landscape changes completely or automatically or quickly let me just say it that way we got to work a little harder and then even thinking about let's say you first gen out here and you get a job but then you ain't got the money to get where you got to go a job might be out of state but how you gonna get there because we don't talk about relocation what that looks like you know what i'm saying we don't talk about how how these groceries gonna expand and in grad school for a week, like you said, choosing between gas and no gas and feeding yourself or buying books and you trying to better yourself. We're not talking about these things enough, and so that is a powerful testimony that you just gotta keep choosing to go forward. Cause look at you with your masters and about to start your PhD. Ain't Who would that, ever thought, right? Not me. Hmm. Not you. So I'm curious to know, just in all that you've experienced, all the people you've come in contact with, is there ever been a piece of advice anybody's ever shared with you that has really helped you to press forward besides the
1: seasoned saints who have told me to pray which i think you have to be careful about your prayer because i was in bible study last week at school about this shout out to lift bible study um because it's just a bunch of graduate students who come together you know nobody is professing that they got a theology degree nobody is saying they have a divinity degree none of that we just come together we create a agenda syllabus and we just tell our testimonies and we interpret like scholars do the best way to our ability to say how was this and being okay to challenge each other so that's another space for me but in that moment of prayer you can easily let temptation and anger and doubt and fear creep up in your prayer so your mind starts drifting to something else but I don't remember who told me this and I, I like to say I play with words a lot and I try to be beat but if you can't go mm-hmm. day without thinking about it it's meant for it to happen now take mm-hmm. that with a, because some people will think about oh I'm gonna get that person back they hurt me and if you think about that every day you're harboring something and you're praying for something that you don't need. But if it's truly a dream, and we're talking about these first generation students, if your dream is to finish, if your dream is to be at the end, to have a conversation about how to make it, because I feel like not enough people are willing to have a conversation about what happens once you graduate. Sometimes, what I learned very quickly is that sheet of paper didn't really change my life. It changed my thought process and experiences, but I am still struggling day to day to survive because as a student, you don't get paid a lot. You don't get a lot, but you still have adult things that you gotta take care of, whether it's a car note, insurance, whatever. But I feel like if you truly have something that's on your mind and you cannot go a day without thinking about it, if it's not a moment, you cannot say like, I wanna get this degree and open my own business, or I wanna start a podcast, truly what's put on. On your heart then go for it and it's gonna take some sacrifice it's gonna be it's some days I remember I was I had so much espresso I was jittery and I never understood what people meant by that jittery feeling till I really got it so mm. one don't let nobody stop you it's not gonna always be easy it's not gonna always be this walk in the sand But what I constantly remind people is don't get caught up in social media because the one thing about it is people don't post their failures a lot on social media. And they got to realize, are they doing it for attention or are they doing it because they truly want to inspire other people? because if you can cry on Instagram while taking a video or photo, you, you ain't that hurt, you are not that hurt. But if you can say your testimony and say like, this is what I've been through, hear my story, you don't know whose life you can change. So just be intentional about the spaces that you come into and realize that if it's on your heart, it's on there for a reason and you just need to profess and do the work to get it done.
0: Mm. Hell yeah, that's what, that's what I gotta say today, hell yeah. So as we're bringing this you know, conversation to a close, I'm really curious to know, like, outside the PhD, what's next for you? Everything. Oh. Everything. Okay. I take that. That's cool.
1: Hey, you know, if I if I if whatever guys seek to put on that plate, the goal is to remain book, busy, and blessed. Mmm. And the reason why I say book, busy, and blessed is because if I'm booked I don't have time, hopefully, to deal with no foolishness. You know, the irritation and the competition of life of how can I, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. I feel bad for them because I know they probably like, why our last name get thrown up in that situation? We ain't nobody tell you. (laughs) Joneses, y'all always kept my lifestyle humble. But not to keep up with the Joneses, to remind yourself that you'll be all right. And I think for me, it's just taking Fatness Fiction and my other brand, Trap Scholar, to the next level. Trap Scholar and Fatness Fiction both have a book coming out in the fall so I'm just hoping to be able to have people read something and chuckle to come back and sit back and have those mm, damn that's real moment or mm-hmm. you know even evoke some emotion for them and be like you know that really pissed me off like not that she brought that up like that's real whether you know you low income first generation struggling like I was with my sister in college or you are you know a big body person who realized that the world got some issues from it and even seeing the intersectionality because what I did intentionally for both books was talk about about being a fat person the last chapter of each book tells that you're going to intertwine so whether you buy both or not you're going to hear the story it's saying like in the end of fatness fiction it says okay this is how it is to be a fat scholar but the end of Mm trap scholar this is how it means to be you know a scholar that identifies as fat so it kind of crosses those lines from the perspective of one being academia looking at size and two being a size being an academia and how you navigate those spaces so i want to have my own model plus size modeling agency i want to expand photography for plus size individuals whether even if it's just a photo to say I want to take this picture and never post it alright come in here how can we mm-hmm. create that I mean, seminars and just touch lives with purpose and I, that's why I love the name of your podcast and I love the work that you do because purpose means a lot and it doesn't mean the same mm-hmm. thing but for me it means how do you fulfill the dreams and the legacy that you're going to leave behind because one day you're going to leave this earth and how do mm-hmm. you want to be remembered for being you know loud and ratchet that's fine because I feel like that's a part of a cultural identity or do you want to be known for saying, you know, I changed lives
0: and then I didn't bring this much drama? That's a choice that you have to make. Already, no doubt about that. I love that. So, final thought, and that is talking to first generation graduates out there who are just trying to find their way still, just kind of trying to figure it out, maybe a little bit frustrated. What would you say to them about walking this journey?
1: Walk this journey like you already walked across the stage. So we build up this life to that graduation moment. Like that that's the key identifying factor that you made it. And I think the biggest thing that kind of struck me is. Once I walk across the stage, it was over. You know what I'm saying? The hype wasn't there no more. You know, after you go out that night and have fun. But the next day you wake up, it's just a regular day. Unless, you know, you got some big trip or something planned. But walk your journey as though you already walked that stage because it's your moment. You're not just filler. People will treat you like that. But you have to remember why you did it and what's the reason behind you doing it. For those who don't know why you're doing it, you don't know the reason behind you're doing it, find it. If you have a love for this or that, don't get tied into the fact that you're first-generation so, all black girls gotta go be a nurse, or all black students don't only go into communication, or only all black students can't go into science and math because we're not smart enough. Like, mm-hmm. don't, don't box you into those majors and minors. Chase your dream. If your love happens to be music or your love happens to be, you know, STEM, go chase it and don't let nobody stop you and fail to realize, oh, I'm the only one in this classroom. I will be the only one, but you will know I was in there, baby, every day. Alicia, good morning. Good morning.
0: (laughs) How are you? hello
1: everyone are you ready to learn today okay great me too that's why i'm spending this money so let's get to it don't let nobody make you feel small i am a person once i got past the fear of asking questions i asked a question just to make sure everybody else heard it like i know he mumbled that excuse me can you repeat that again and then everybody, wow, you know what? I appreciate you. I know. I didn't come, I'm not paying them to boo me around and I'm not paying here to play no games with you. You ain't gotta be funny, but I'm gonna get this education. So get your education. Don't worry about what people gonna say because they gonna hate you whether you're doing good or bad. And remember, you're doing this to make yourself
0: proud first and your family proud second. Mm, absolutely and where in the social media space can we find you if you want to connect with you my friend you can find me at sugar cubes
1: that's s-h-u-g-g-a-r-c-u-b-e-s or at fatness fiction it's spelled out just how it said um, f-a-t-n-e-s-s-f-i-c-t-i-o-n www.fatnessfiction.com so please never feel fearful send me a dm if you just like I just want to say hey hey I'm gonna respond I'm not <laughs> I'm and be like seen and don't say nothing now I will say sometimes I'll be in the middle of some seed and then i walk away forget and I'll come back later that night but I will always respond you can send me three messages in a row
0: I'm gonna respond to each and every one of them absolutely well you have been an absolute pleasure to talk to again love your energy love your transparency and I love that you've just been able to just bring so much light to the situations that we experience this has been awesome and I want to wish you well in all that lies ahead and you know you, you got an army of first gens behind you hey, I appreciate it y'all man Make sure we keep marching on and I'm not standing
1: behind you. I'm on the side of you so we can all make these mistakes together.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Oh, you know what? I'm with it. I'm with it. All right now, take care of yourself. Thank you.